0: Reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? Oh, yeah. I got an interesting guest on today. And I'm telling you, he believes in shifting energy, too. And that has been an exciting uh, thoughts for 2021. Happy New Year! Here talking to Carol the Coach, and today I actually have Murray Hittery on, who has this incredible project going called Mind Travel. Murray, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Carol. It's great to be here.
0: Yes. So tell me a little bit about Mind Travel.
1: So I'm a composer and musician, um, and I create these immersive musical experiences um, all over the world. Uh, I was actually on a grand tour prior to the pandemic hitting, uh, and now I'm doing these experiences virtually. Uh, But these are transportive, immersive music experiences that I play at the piano, and we really open up a space through music for healing, creativity, and a discovery of, Kind of our inner world as it relates to our experience in the world.
0: Well, that makes a lot of sense, and and you're familiar with addictions and sexual addiction, and and you said like other addictions, um, addiction can mask much deeper issues and obviously help medicate stress, anxiety, mm-hmm. and depression. Now, how does mind travel address that?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I mean, if we, if we look at the biggest picture possible, you know, we all move through life, we live with life, uh, with this sense of lack, with this kind of longing that we're trying to fill throughout our lives. And so much of that is really rooted, differently for each of us, but rooted in, you know, usually some wounding from when we were really young. And that can, Mm -hmm. you know, that can feel like, you know, a um, a sense of not being good enough, a sense of, um, you know, uh, loneliness, a sense of um, self-esteem, worthiness, all these kinds of fears that we have, you know, rooted in some, something that happened when we were really young that was confusing and painful to us as children. We couldn't process it, and so we created this story that we tell ourselves over and over again, and it shows up in, in you know, our adult life as well. And so we then move through the world, um, and when certain things happen, those fears come up, those stories that we tell ourselves, and in order to fill that kind of gap, to fill that hole, to fill that need, um, we, we tend to turn to certain behaviors, and in a sense we're trying to fill that hole with um, an impermanent solution, uh, and that's the problem. Because once that behavior ends or once the effect of it fades, we're left back with the same hole. So we're trying to fill something permanently, but we're filling it with something that's transient. And so we're always back at square one. And so we repeat that over and over again. And it, it doesn't really matter what the behavior is, what the addiction is, right? It could be a substance. It could be using sex. It could be too much television. It could be gambling. It could be all kinds of things. Um, and yet, we're just we're trying to solve something permanently with an impermanent solution, um, and so then it comes to well, okay, um, what other alternative is there? And typically, when these things happen in life, um, you know, a difficult situation. You know, in my case, I was you know dealing with profound grief, which you know left me feeling uh, very, very empty um, and, and alone. And um, you know, I turned to sex more than other things to, to fill that, that, that pain, that hurt. That was, that was a kind of an instinctive reaction for me uh, versus, you know, turning to, you know, alcohol or substances or things like that. And quickly you realize, well, that game doesn't work because you, you know you're left feeling um, just as empty, you know, afterwards um, that you did before. So it's a very temporary measure. And I found that music offers such a powerful um, remedy for this because it's something that can engage us in a way to have real introspection and reflection, uh, and it allows for the feeling of whatever you're going through, and then through that feeling of it, you dissipate it. You know, Music is the language of emotion. It's the language of feeling. And oftentimes, Carol, we don't even have the words to express what we're feeling. And so it's easy to turn to, you know, behaviors um, because we, we just want to distract from what it is we're feeling and not address it and not confront it.
0: Well, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I also believe that that natural chemical dopamine gets produced when you're listening to music. And that. Probably helps that shift in the brain because I know you're all about the brain um, and, and you understand yes. how to move out of those states of depression, anxiety, and as you indicated, grief. So, if somebody were going to come to an event of yours, what would they do? I noticed that your website, which is so beautifully done, is um, and everybody's wearing headphones. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, that's right. And, and by the way, you're, you're spot on in terms of the effect of music on the brain. Um, it's very similar to uh, the same effect that sex has on the brain, uh, the same centers of pleasure, uh, those same, you know, uh, dopamine centers, pleasure centers, reward centers um, mm-hmm. are activated. And so, you know, I think from an evolutionary perspective, Um, We really developed uh, this appetite for music um, to, you know, for a couple of things. I think, number one, the the pleasure of it in terms of um, its ability to bring people together, uh, to create community. Uh, Music always historically, from an evolutionary perspective, was a, a community activity. It's not something you really did alone. Um, only today do we think of music as something a bit more solitary because we have the invention of recordings, right? But think back for how right. many thousands of years, right? We didn't have recordings. So music was a communal activity. And so coming together um, provided healing in and of itself. So if somebody was down and out, if they were dealing with some kind of you know, painful moment, they were going through grief, they were having you know, uh, difficulty in life, um, even physical pain, by even coming together, there is healing and community. Um, you know, in the Jewish tradition, there's the, the, the when, you, when you are grieving uh, a loved one, you uh, have the seven days called the sitting of Shiva, the seven days of mourning. And the tradition there, like many other traditions, uh, is to have community come together. They bring the food and, it, you know, they sit with you and they spend that week with you. Um, no one should be grieving alone. And theres mm-hmm. it's not that they're saying anything special. It's just that the community element, the being together, is in and of itself healing. And so now when we look at a you know, live musical experience, like the kinds we you know, create all around, we bring people together um, because that in and of itself has a healing property to it. Even if it's strangers, it turns out it's extremely powerful to be with other people in a like-minded activity. And research also shows that, especially music, when a group of people are listening to the same music at the same time, like they would be doing in a mind travel concert experience, their Uh brainwaves are actually resonating uh, in consonants, right? They're in the same brainwave state which creates a coherence with, between the audience, between the group. So everyone's literally, the energy of the group is the same um, as, the, as the music uh, unfolds. And so when they arrive well, and I, at
0: uh yeah. Well, I was just going to say, and I'm a big believer as a life coach, that we're all really of the same consciousness anyway. We just have to figure out a way to bring that all together. And so, you know, you're speaking my language here in terms of when somebody's dealing with addiction or even the opposite, partner betrayal, um, mm-hmm. there's no doubt that connection is the
1: antidote to
0: addiction and suffering, right?
1: Absolutely. Um, and, and music plays such a beautiful role in curating connection. Um, because it can express uh, what is, in many cases, inexpressible, ineffable. We don't have the words for it, so we turn to music. You know? And especially this kind of music that um, I'm playing and composing with Mind Travel, it's music that is meant to create that space of reflection, to have that sense of deep listening, to, you know, what's, what's going on inside of you, you know, to just allow whatever you're feeling to rise to the surface and to be felt. So when people come to a mind travel experience, when we do it physically, um, you know, in the, out, out in the physical world, um, it, it's usually out in nature. And so it could be, you know, Santa Monica Beach or Central Park, you know, iconic locations in many different cities. And when people come, in order for the experience to be very intimate, we actually give them wireless headphones so that no matter where they're sitting, no matter where they are in this huge outdoor area, it's as if everyone has a front row seat because they're, they're hearing me play, you know, the same no matter where they are in, in the field. And that, oh, that also makes, gives a very wow. yeah, and that gives them a very intimate, personal you know experience with the music, as if I'm playing just for them. And then what's so beautiful is that it you, you'll see people walking around. They might go up to the waves in the ocean and stand you know up to their knees in the ocean, taking it in, listening live to the concert. And then at some point, they can come back to the group and have that communal togetherness. And you look around and you realize that, you know, everyone moves through life in this constant balance of their own individual experience, their own personal experience, their own unique perspective, and a sense of being part of society, part of community, right? And what's that, what is that balance? All too often when we feel pain and dissonance emotionally in life, we tend to feel a disconnection with others. Um, whether it's with our family, our partner, um, loved ones, or even, you know, uh, people in general, we tend to think we're going through something that's so unique and isolating. And so we then isolate ourselves further. We have a hard time expressing it, right? Especially if you're a man, it's usually a little bit more difficult to have Mm -hmm. a comfortable, safe way to express yourself. And so we then isolate further. So, and that only continues to spiral, you know, creating that downward spiral. So our behavior continues to mask it, to cover it up. Um, and then that behavior, repeated over and over again, has usually a detrimental impact, right? And that's where, you know, addiction really, you know, kicks in in terms of its impact in our life, right? Some kind of negative impact on our careers, our relationships, right, our, you know, uh, you know all, all areas, our health. So that's what we're talking about here is how do we arrest, how do we interrupt, right, that pattern? Um, Or if somebody's already in that pattern, how can we shift that energy into something way healthier? And it's not just a one-time thing. As we know, this is a constant uh, maintenance that needs to happen. We have to constantly be proactive with this. And music can provide such a powerful um, medicine as you said earlier uh, because it's something we can do and we can, we can really open up whatever we're feeling and just allow it to be felt and music really acts as a mirror in that sense you know it's not that the emotion is, is inherently in the music no matter what I play whatever I'm feeling when I play it uh, others may have other emotions and they'll feel what they feel regardless of what I feel and that's the beauty of music is that it, it meets people wherever they're at. Um, and whatever you're feeling, you will project into the music. And that's why it has such a power um, to heal, because it doesn't matter what you're feeling. You don't have to feel exactly what I'm feeling. Um, but you can place your emotion, whatever you're feeling, your pain, into the music, and it reflects back at you, and then it dissolves through just experiencing it that that's that I mean that's been my experience with it over so many years
0: okay well you're talking about how music brings healing and then you're also referencing the fact that everybody listening together provides connection and that those things are very powerful um, in terms of recovery I want to ask you what do you mean by living a life of listening? You know, how can that relate to sex and sexual addiction?
1: Yeah. So, you know, music is a wonderful metaphor, of course, for, you know, this, this notion of listening or what I like to call the art of listening. Um, and we have kind of two modes generally of listening, kind of an active and passive way of listening. Just think about any time you're in a conversation with somebody, right? Um, and mm-hmm. You could be passively listening to them or you could be actively listening to them. Most people go through life in kind of a passive listening. Even if they're talking with somebody, they're always in, in their head thinking about the next thing they're going to say, thinking about how they're going to counter what the other person said, how they're going to win the argument, uh, you know, whatever it might be, they're, they're busy in their head with what they're going to say next. And that is, kind of is very passive because there's no openness to actually listening to what the other person is saying. And so it takes kind of an opening, an an open space that is truly listening to the other person and not having any judgment about what the person is saying and just allowing yourself to understand fully their perspective. And if we can do that, we can create a deeper connection with that person. And then we can respond, you know, with different choices, of course. Uh, not that we have to agree with them, but at least we are on the, the right footing to understand them fully and not just push our agenda. Now, we can extend that idea, that definition of active listening, really to anything in life, right? I mean, we can, you know, when, when we're experiencing music, we can listen actively. So the music's not background music. It's not just something that's kind of happening and we're tuning out. No, we're actually attentively listening and seeing how it moves us, you know, feeling that. And we can go through life with this metaphoric listening where we're bringing our awareness and our attention to every moment as we move through life. So life's not just happening to us, but we're truly present to every situation. That's an active way to live, an active way to move through life. Now, what that means, though, the consequence of that is that we're more aware of the reasons why we're doing things and what's occurring, and we're not just in default mode, right? We're not just kind of conditioned responses to everything, right? Something happens we don't like, we retreat, we turn to behavior, right? These are like automatic responses that many of us might have. And so being an active listener, having deep listening, means something happens, it sets you off, it triggers you, um, you feel a certain way. Maybe that wound we discussed earlier, right, of, uh, you know, I'm feeling rejection, I'm feeling, you know, something threatening me. Instead of instinctively going into some behavior that, that we might have done in the past, here we create some space and we just allow it to... Sit there as we analyze it, understand it, and then by listening to it, we can now observe it in a different way and have a different reaction. And so instead of listening, let's just take the example of, you know, of turning to sexual behavior. Well, there's a lot of reasons why we might have sexual relations with somebody, right? It's not you know, it's not like they're all created the same. Um, some might be healthier than others. So in the listening of kind of what's happening with us, right, physically, emotionally, um, what's our motivation for the behavior we're about to take? So instead of just being on autopilot like a robot, what's the motivation for what we're about to do, right? Is it because I want to express, you know, true love for someone I'm with? Is it a lustful act? And that's okay too, but it's just good to check in to see, like, you know, what's going on with me? I just want to be clear with the intention of what I'm about to do. And so that's the kind of relationship with our actions that creates a lot more freedom, right? And takes us out of that autopilot mode. No, that
0: makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I really believe that there are three principles to creating more happiness. And one of them is, um, to stay in the moment and to be present and to train yourself mm-hmm. to do that. And I know that when I work with with sex or sex addiction and, and we're talking about how do you regain that physical intimacy, it's all about being in the present and it's all about yeah. sensate focus and it's about looking at your partner and Enjoying him or her and talking with mm-hmm. him or her, and really staying cognizant of how sacred the moment is during sex. Yeah. And you know, sex addiction has really ruptured that for a couple. And when they're able to get back to that, um, that connectivity is so important because they're staying in the moment. And of course that keeps them from thinking about the past or worrying about the future, which are also yeah. very, very helpful.
1: Yeah. You know, when we think, when we and think so, about being in the, you know, when we think about being in the present moment, Carol, uh, and that's a term that a lot of people may have heard, maybe they have some experience with meditation um, or, you know, they've heard it before, Well, what's the real benefit, right. Of being in the present moment. Now, of course, like in, in reality, all we can be is living in the present moment. That's just by kind of definition. What we're talking about here is where is our attention, right? Is our attention here with the other person or is it distracted, right? Are we, as you said, are we thinking about things of the past? Are we thinking about other issues of the future, anxiety, worry, right? Are we distracted? And even if two people are physically connected, they could easily be mentally and emotionally disconnected, um, And so by bringing our attention, initially, um, I like to think of using our senses, right, our our various senses as the portals to that intimacy with the present moment in whatever we're doing, and in particular, in uh, a physical intimacy with our partner. And so we can go through them one by one as we're interacting, right, bringing attention to each one. So, of course, we have you know, the sense of touch. And what does it feel like to gently caress and, and stroke our partner? Uh, we have the sense of smell. What does it, it, you know, what does that sense open up for us as we smell our partner in a very gentle way? Um, our, of course, our sight, our seeing. There's a way we look at our partner and there's many different ways to look at somebody. And what does that communicate? There's the listening, hearing our partner. Right. What are they saying? Um, Not just verbally, but what is their what is their body saying? What are what are their, um, you know, various moans and 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 voicings communicating at different times? Um, So it's really a deep listening across all of our senses. And then a very powerful exercise is uh, not not really an exercise. You'd be doing it in, in, in real time is to remove the senses one by one, right, to really isolate each one. Imagine you didn't have, right, the sense of sight. You couldn't see. What would that open up with the other senses, right, and narrowing it down? So imagine you only had one sense out of the five, say, uh, and then moving through them in that way so that all the only way you can experience your partner was through that one sense. How would you interact with them? Right, and 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 that kind of thinking can create such a heightened um, sensory intimacy and immersion with the other person that I mean it, it truly could be intoxicating and uh, can communicate so much that that we might have a hard time communicating in other ways. Um, you know, very little about sexual intimacy is about you know the verbal communication. Um, it could be verbal, but it doesn't have to be. And so, so much opens up and so much vulnerability opens up through these other senses. Um, and, and we listen to them as a piece of music, right? Um, and, and experience their body as a piece of music, right? With the ups and downs and the, and the you know, the, the dynamics of music, um, the melody of music, the harmony of music, the rhythm of music is all in Their physical, their emotional, their mental, uh, their spiritual being, and the interaction between the two. Each one of the each each person their own melody together in this harmonic engagement, right? So music provides such a beautiful metaphor for for all of this. So let me ask you a
0: couple of questions before we end. First of all, I'm sure we have really triggered in some people the desire to take a look at your website and to find out more about the things that that you were doing prior to COVID and what you're mm-hmm. hoping to do in the future. So tell everybody, how can they get to your website?
1: So we have everything at mindtravel.com. Uh, and we have all the offerings there, which include, of course, live events. Um, they'll be back in person physically when we're, able to do it safely uh, in the meantime we have incredible virtual events just about every week um, and these are you know uh, music experiences we do walking meditations um, I, I know many people that do it as couples where they'll they'll walk uh, in their neighborhood and they listen live as I have music and I guide the experience um, through you know wherever they are if they're walking on the beach or the park and 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 we're of course, doing this virtually, um, there are many other experiences and then a whole library of music and um, and guided meditations for you know many different areas of life from focusing at work to uh, helping sleep uh, to you know reducing anxiety and other things um, and, and then all of that is in this mind travel mastery community where you can then meet and connect with other like-minded um, people that really get that there's so much freedom and choice to be had when we make the space, when we listen, create some space for possibility. And music is an incredible tool to do that, especially when the music's composed specifically to do that, which is what it is. Um, And so that's really the idea. Yeah.
0: So I want to ask you, um, because again, you're speaking so much like a coach. I mean, You have some terminology that you talk about that I think would be very helpful to our listening community, and that is radical responsibility. And i got to tell you, my Mm -hmm. first and most important coaching principle is that I'm 100% responsible for my behavior, no matter what happens to me in life. So can you explain to our listening audience, in two minutes or less, what is radical responsibility from your point of view?
1: Absolutely. And, and it's important to distinguish it, you know, for me, from, you know, radical responsibility. Why don't I just call it responsibility? And, you know, of course, it is a, a sense of responsibility. The question is, what happens when you're in a moment of life where, from your experience, right, whatever has happened to you is so terrible, um, you have such an excuse to blame the other person and therefore, uh-huh. you, you don't move forward in your life in a certain way. I think we can all relate to that kind of situation, right, especially if somebody's dealing with something very difficult like, you know, certain abuse or, you know, something has happened to them in that sense. Um, th- there's such a, a sense of being a victim, rightfully so, that uh-huh. moving forward is very difficult. Now, what radical responsibility, right, would say is that, is that, Even with that happening, we have to shift from this relationship of being a victim to saying, I am responsible for my life. I am the only one who can be responsible for my life because I'm the only one who can change it. Nobody can change our lives for us, no matter how tragic, heartbreaking the situation we went through is. Nobody can change our circumstances except for us. And so taking radical responsibility, Carol, is not about, um, you know, about relieving the other of blame, of, of, you know, saying what they did was okay. No, what they did wasn't okay. And regardless of that, I'm moving forward in my life and I'm taking responsibility for my life. A hundred percent. I'm not playing the victim game, the blame game, because it's not going to get me where I want to go. And once Mm. we shift to that mentality, it opens up a whole world of possibility because we never hear ourselves saying to anyone like, oh, I would do this, but you know, it's just, it's so tough. I went through this, I went through that. Right. It's, it's, We don't, we don't enter into that dialogue because it's just going to keep us mired in, in that um, situation. So if we want to move forward, if we want to have the best life possible, we want to have freedom. We have to kind of take, that full radical responsibility, that even if we don't have to take responsibility because we can easily blame someone, we're still going to take responsibility because it's our life and only we can change it. And with that comes a deeper awareness. We then accept our circumstance, and then we take right action, right? We take action to move forward, right, not staying stuck in the past.
0: Right. So you're basically saying that when you have that kind of radical responsibility – it moves you into, obviously, an awareness of where you're at and an acceptance of that process, which is a big part of recovery, and then an action to bring about that radical responsibility. Um, So, obviously, how might you see somebody who betrayed their partner sexually um, moving into that process and implementing... Radical responsibility into their life for them.
1: Now, if somebody is the actual perpetrator in a given situation, then well, then it's even easier because taking on responsibility means you're owning your behavior, right, 100%. Um, and you're not saying, well, you know, I was, you know, wounded as a child. Um, I observed you know, my, my dad cheated on his, you know, on my mom, you know, and I, you know, and I, and so I was, I, I saw that model behavior, and so that's why I do it. None of that matters, right. you know, it doesn't matter because ultimately it's your choices, and they're either, you know, hurting or not hurting someone. And in this case, right, the example you gave, your, your behavior, no matter how it was conditioned, how you learned it, um, is hurting someone. And the moment we take full responsibility for that, right? We bring all of it into our awareness. We then accept that we did it. We accept the hurt. We don't try to find excuses for it because there'll always be excuses. There'll always be justifications, right? And especially when it comes to partnerships, what's the classic thing we always hear, right, Carol? We always hear, well, yes, I did. I did cheat. I did do that, but, you know, I wasn't getting the attention from my partner and, you know, he or she was, you know, traveling too much and, you know, whatever. There's always an excuse, right? And ultimately, Mm -hmm. we have to toss that out the window. Now, it doesn't mean that doesn't get addressed. Sure, if there's issues that can create more intimacy, you know, that's getting in the way of intimacy, yeah, of course, let's address it. Um, But the buck has to stop with us, with our behavior. And only then can we then move forward and then take action that's going to repair it. Or if it's appropriate, maybe, maybe people don't need to be together, right? It's not a must. It depends on whether they should be together or not and what's best for both of them. But either way, yeah. you know, they move forward with more compassion, right, with, for each other and for themselves and for, the, for these circumstances. Um, and music can really be the, the, the kind of, you know, grease the wheels of the whole thing, if you will, right, uh, where it just allows – if someone, if they're listening to it together or listening to it alone, they can really process what they're going through and then – be in touch with that deepest part of themselves, that purest part of themselves that hasn't been tainted by all this you know, pain and all this difficulty, um, all this hurt, all this heartbreak, and go back to that yeah. purity, that sense of love, that sense of creating more unity with themselves, with the disparate parts of themselves, and with their partner.
0: All right. Well, we have to end for today, and you've certainly given, again, our listening community some hope that they can get to that place. You know, that's the place they want to be, and they're fearful that they'll never get there, both the addict and the partner. And so I want to remind people that if you want to find out more about this revolutionary experience, go to www.mindtravels.com. Did I get that right?
1: Yeah, just mindtravel.com. That's it.
0: All right. And, Murray, I thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. I can feel the passion all the way in Florida. And, and I wish you the best <laughs> because I know that COVID has dramatically changed things, but a community can listen to you weekly, Virtually, and that's what I'm going to encourage our community to do. So thank you again so much for everything you've done.
1: Thank you for having me, Carol, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. Make it a good one.
1: You too. Bye. All right. Bye.
0: Um, I love to bring people on who have kind of a fresh perspective on how you can build the relationship. That is so important. And um, I hope you have a good new year. Make 2021 different than 2020 was. Pick a word, if you will, for the year. You know how I ask you to do that. To choose a word that you actually believe could be a goal for you throughout the entire year. Um, so often I, I pick words that have to do with how I want to show up in the world. Um, my word this year is intention. I want to tell you that I did get two books published in the last week. One is Transformations: A Woman's uh, Journey Through Self-Discovery. That's for that's for our daughters, our sisters. Are mothers who haven't been through partner betrayal or sex addiction. But then I wrote specifically a book for partners, and it's called Unleashing Your Power, uh, Moving Beyond Partner Betrayal, because I think that's so important. You know, if you choose to stay spouse, I want you to do it with love and with happiness and with serenity. And this book will teach you how. I'll talk to you more about it next week. But as I say at the end of every show, there will only be one of you at all times. So fearlessly have the courage to be yourself and, and go to Amazon and see those two books, Unleashing Her Power, Your Power, and Transformations, A Woman's Journey of Self-Discovery. Talk to you next week.